All right, brother. Well, we're live. We're live on the air, man. I'm I'm excited uh, to have you, Andy, because I just started this podcast. This is called Real Estate Homies. And as you know, we have been homies now for a year, maybe two years now running on it. So um, it's funny, but uh, I was trying to think about how our paths crossed. And it, it was definitely you jumping on and working with us at Dippity, but I couldn't figure out. I'm like, how did, how did Andy even find out about Dippity? And I, I honestly had no idea. So how did you find out about us? Yeah. So super good question. It was actually through this guy named Ryan White, who used to be a partner at Sierra. And he's like, Hey, you should probably look these guys up. And then I started doing a little bit of digging and then like I went back, I like through like a bunch of, it was a bunch of uh, like DMs uh, from, I think Tyler, who's, I think your guys' founder. And so like, yep. he was, he was like, so he, he was shooting me messages. And then there was like a thing with Sierra and I was like, yeah, you know, like I'll just give him a shot and see if it works. And then it's worked. It's worked great. And we just kind of keep on stacking more stuff on your plate. Yeah, man. I, I love it. That, that That's crazy. Tyler has definitely been, out there networking for Dippity. So it makes total sense that you guys able to align and clash. He's been super big in the real estate industry in terms of just networking and providing value to people with your marketing. But what I really wanted to talk about with you today is two things that I feel like I want to just pick your brain on. And I think so many other people would love to, and that is branding, specifically personal branding, and then also real estate investing, which is kind of actually where I want to start off. Um, you know, once I saw you come on as a client, I was pumped. I looked at your Instagram. I'd actually like been following, seen some of your interviews. You've done things with like Ed Milet drama from, from Robin <laughs> big and the fantasy factory. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So uh, Andy knows some people and he's got some homies. Right. So, and it, I, I'm assuming did a lot of that come through real estate investing. Is that kind of the, the start of it all or where did it all really start? Yeah. Super good question. So like this whole thing was literally a brainchild about 2015 to 2016. I was like crushing it with the space of real estate. And I would, I mean like buying tons of buildings, everything was going great. And I was making tons of investors, millions of dollars and having a blast. Right. And there was this thing that kept kind of like slowly in my ear. And it was like, what are you going to do if all those investors decide to stop doing real estate? Then what smart guy? And I'm like, Oh shit. No one knows who I am except those people. And I do a really good job for them, but I'm like, I have no idea like how this thing is going to work or should I have like a website? I, I don't know. And then it was probably like two in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And this dude kept falling into my feed and his name was Gary V. And he's like, fuck this and you know, all this other stuff and build your brand. And I was like, dude, who is this guy? And then he's like, he told his story that was very similar to mine. Like, you know, he grew up poor. So did I. He got super into wine. So did I. And there was this path. And I was like, huh. So this was probably like six months of me like really consuming all of Gary V's content. And that was when like he was starting to kind of pop. And I was like, how do I get a meeting with this guy? So I literally paid 10 grand no on an airplane and I flew to New York and I got a meeting with him. And I literally had no idea what I was doing. 
brought this camera guy with me and I started to film the whole thing solely because of his stuff. I was just following his model and his blueprint. And I had an amazing meeting with Gary. And he's like, look, you have a great story with tons of value. Here's the next step. Put out content. It's the same story he tells today. Put out content every day. Give away all your best tips, tricks, and secrets for free for the next two years straight and watch what happens. I literally just left his office and did that exact thing. Wow. Wow. So literally one of my questions I had prepped for you was who was one of your mentors that helped you get into content creation? And I had no idea that you actually made an investment in yourself to go out there and meet with Gary. And wow, that's a, that's amazing, man. So did that like light a fire under your ass after that meeting? Was it, was it totally worth the 10 grand? I would have paid 200 grand because it wasn't <laughs> like that is like, I've been really close with him since. Mm -hmm. And I stayed, here was the smartest thing I did. I literally went around his huge office and started meeting people, talking to people. Hey, what's up? My name's Andy. How do you do this stuff? I entrenched myself and met his entire executive team, right? Mm -hmm. And just being like, cool. I'm like, they probably meet a ton of people. Here was like the little trick that I did. I literally like got all their business cards came home, like shopped for these like really cool, like stones and crystals, stuck them in a little box with my business card in it, and then shipped this whole thing of all these different, like, you know, things and crystals to them and said, Hey, so nice meeting you. And like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I would love to have like five minutes, like to just kind of pick your brain. They all sent me an email. And I'm close to almost that whole crew still. Wow, man. See, so, so that's so amazing because you you just took it upon yourself that like, yeah, you paid the 10 grand to go see the, the head honcho, but you knew that the head honcho has an entire team behind him. And so why not go talk to those team members as well and build those relationships? Like that is pure genius and just... It, like it makes so much sense from a human aspect too. like to, to makes, go do that. But, it makes so much sense, right? You're like, all right, he's so busy. He's impossible to get a hold of, but I can probably get a hold of Tyler, can probably get a hold of Andy, can probably get a hold of D-Rock. And then like they started to become my boys. And like yep. now we're like all kind of following each other on Instagram. And then they're seeing like my journey go. And I literally love to give credit to that whole crew and company. And then circle back to probably three years ago, the CMO, right? He wanted to be on my podcast. So then like this whole thing came full circle. And then he goes on stage now and says like, here's this guy, Andy. Nobody knew him. He followed Gary's steps. And now he's here in five years. Like mm. the blueprint works, but you got to be willing to do it. I literally started a podcast because he told me to. Like I yeah. just... I took the model and said, duh, okay. Like I just did it. And yep. Yep. everybody tries to overthink it. So we did YouTube, we did Instagram, Facebook. I mean, it's not, so, not rocket science. So so talk to me a little bit about that content journey. Like, like you said, there was that moment where you're like, wow, no one really knows who I am. And I, yeah, I, I do am financially successful. I've I've got from being broke to being wealthy and now 
how do I sustain this wealth? You you decided I need to build my personal brand so people know who I am. So just more so for what security in a sense, where like a lot of people now are actually doing it the opposite. They're doing it to attract people to, to build their business. Your business is already built and you're now using it to safeguard your, your business and network. So what were some of those pieces of content or we'll call them content pillars that you started with? You you said podcast. Was there anything else you were you were creating in that moment outside the podcast, or did you just go all in on the podcast? We went all in on it all, which I do not recommend. It's super expensive. We messed up a ton. We spent so much money where we didn't need to. But I literally just said, I don't care. I'm going to follow this thing exactly like he said it. But the biggest thing for me was it was something within that meeting. And then it was a crazy video that I saw like of Gary. And he's like, this content will live forever. He goes, this is the first time in human history that your great, 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 great grandkids can watch a video of your entire journey. I get goosebumps right now. I have told that story from stage a million times and you can hear a pin drop every time. Cause they're like, why did you start your podcast? I'm like the truth is it is now a scrapbook of my life for my children. Because if my Mm -hmm. plane goes down tomorrow, my kids now have five straight years of me pouring my heart and soul into this. And now it's forever. And my Mm -hmm. great, 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 great granddaughter is probably going to watch this and be like, I'm just like that guy. And I'm going to give her permission to go. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much, man. It actually... My my grandfather, like I've been kind of getting into all this audio and things like that. And I my grandfather had the most amazing story. And and I wish so much he passed last year. And I wish so much that I would have recorded that story and, and interviewed him because I would have got to have that forever. And our family would have got to have that forever. It don't even got to be about business. You can Bingo. you got video now to be able to record and, and have it relative tell a story that can allow them to live on forever, right? Like that's such an amazing thing we we live in yeah no and it's so important because there are these hard days and like again it's the same story like i've told a million times i'm like if you could literally give me one podcast of my grandparents just telling the story of how they met in world war ii i'd give you a million dollars oh my god i can't because it's gone forever and you feel that pain because you have the same thing with your grandfather so for me that now stops at my generation. My kids will never, my kids have been raised with the cell phone in their face. They take their selfies, they're running around, like it's hilarious, but I'm trying to convince them that, look, it's okay to document your life, it's fun, and it's something that you can actually do for your kids, kids, kids. I think it's tremendously powerful. I could give two shits if I do $1 in business, I do it for my kids. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I love that so much. But it it, it kind of takes me to like ask you the question of somebody that hasn't picked it up yet, hasn't picked up the camera, hasn't like thought a lick of what they should do content wise. Like, what would you advise them? Like, where to start? And like, like not even just like pick. Yeah, pick up the phone and record what's a good idea that they could do as a content pillar, like a segment that they know they could probably start with. 
It's literally the exact thing that you said. Everybody, in my opinion, should start like this. Hey, my name's Andy. This is super weird for me. So I'm just going to give it a go. Your truth, your vulnerability is what gets your engagement. Hands mm. down, my best content is me talking into my cell phone. It's not because it has the best lighting, it has the best everything. It's the most real and we always get the best returns on that. Now there's all yep. this other stuff we do with like suits and all fancy because that's for branding. I'm That's a branding pillar. I'm trying to get to my audience and me being vulnerable speaking into my phone. It's free. Social media is free. And you can start getting those reps in. It's just like going to the gym. Like, like you don't just go to the gym and do a thousand crunches and leave with a six pack. Like there are daily disciplines that you have to do. Most of us love to complicate the process. So when it doesn't work, we have an excuse. But if it's really easy and you still don't do it, you just suck. Your content doesn't suck. You suck as a person. And that's really hard for people. So for me, it's like, and so many people like, okay, and I was totally guilty of this. I had the best microphones, the best setup, the best soundboards. I had that stuff for a year before I launched my podcast. I bought all the best filming equipment, hired an eight-person team. Took me like a month to firm, like to film the first piece of content. Now, do you think that was because of that hurdle of the awkwardness of getting on video and doing it? And you were kind of creating that that just like self-barrier of, of I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. I bought all the nicest shit just to give me a little more time to literally chicken out. And then I just started, I was like, look, you know what? Enough's enough. And as soon as I started, I promised myself, as soon as I turned the camera on, I'm never turning it off. No matter what. And have you yet? And you nope. haven't yet? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. Let's, so I, I'm, I'm a young buck getting into real estate investing. I kind of want to segue from branding into that, right? I, I definitely want to pick your brain on it. it it's been your bread and br- uh, butter, your in, in, like pretty much entire career. Um, so I want to kind of learn a little bit more about real estate investing and kind of get your thoughts on some of this stuff. So first off, how many properties or doors do you currently have in your portfolio? Super good question. So there's only one person that knows, well, there's actually two people that know, but for me, I keep it super private, but it's Love it. less than 200 right now and north of a hundred doors. And it's somewhere around cool. there, but yeah. I've been moving stuff around the country like crazy, but like I learned a long time ago, like to like usually keep some stuff close. And there's a lot of people that are like, oh, that's his building. Now I have a target on my back. So I kind of keep things really, really low. Absolutely. That makes total sense. It's an amazing industry. And for me, I have not found a safer place for my family's capital than real Mm -hmm. estate. For a multitude of reasons, like I'm super down with crypto, all this, all this stuff, love what's happening right now with like Ethereum, all, all the different projects. That's all great. Stock market, awesome, whatever. For me, <laughs> I put my money in hard assets, stuff I can touch, stuff I can leverage, stuff I can depreciate. There is not a better place to hedge against hyperinflation, which is finally in everybody's brain. Yep. You can't just print $6 trillion and expect nothing to happen. 
There's only two places, gold, physical gold, silver, and real estate. Those are the only things that are going to hedge, in my opinion, against all of this stuff. And I like to invest in real estate as long as people want to still live inside. <laughs> you don't have to buy a $500 Supreme t-shirt. You don't have to go to fancy dinners. You don't have to do a lot of things. You have to live inside. So for yes. me, I strip away all the basics. You could eat like a little bit of ramen and some rice for a long time in one of my units, right? So I like the way that feels. Plus there's these tax advantages to owning real estate that we could do an entire show about that would blow your mind. Plus you can depreciate the asset over 30 years where it literally pays for itself. Your tenants cover the whole mortgage, taxes and expenses. What's ever left over is income for you and your family. Long Beach is up 27% in two years. So if mm. you bought a building for $1 million, you know, you have $270,000 in equity in two years that your tenants paid for and you did nothing. So, mm -hmm. and it's long-term tax. It's not short-term stock market, all these things. It's like, Oh, you know, like I made 600 grand and I made a luck. It's gambling, but they made a lucky play and they bought whatever I like Tesla and it, I mean, caught fire, right? Cool. Then you sell it and now you got to give half to the government. No one talks about the short term cap gains. The part about the stock market I don't enjoy, it's why I have no money in there, is so the CEO of Coke decides to sleep with the secretary, gets fired, mm -hmm. and the stock price tanks. What does it have to do with my family? I have zero control. Crypto is the same philosophy, but on steroids, because there's no regulation, which is fine. And that's a beautiful thing for that space. It's, it's my opinion that if you're going to be a true investor, you need to understand all of these pillars, all the NFT projects. What are they? I mean, there's ways I'm literally starting it right now to launch my first thing of NFTs. It's going to be a bunch of little deeds attached to one property. So this first launch is going to be to buy a piece of real estate. and Everybody's going to own it collectively and they're going to participate in the upside. Dude, you literally banged through like 12 of my questions in that rant right there. It was perfect. Like I was like, dude, this is insane. So so take me back at least a little bit into like you've built this up over time. There's so many benefits in real estate, but what was that first deal? When did you know I need to buy real estate? And then what was that first deal? How did that deal look? And what did you learn from that first deal? Super good question. So it was well before it was, it was probably two years before like the first deal was done. So for me, it like I was in a depressed, like, you know, stage in my life. I was like 65 pounds overweight. I was bummed out. I was drinking way too much. And I was just like, for the first time in my life, unhappy. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to figure this out. So I left my super, super fancy job in corporate America with a suit and all this stuff. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to work for a year. I'm going to figure this out. 
So I started teaching yoga, racing triathlons. So I was spending like six hours a day on my bike and I'm listening to these books on how to invest, how to invest in real estate, all these different codes and tax structure. So I had these things in my head well before like this whole thing with real estate even took off. And so I was already so prepared for my first deal that I knew everything about the investing space before I placed $1 of my capital. And everybody does it backwards. You kind of did it backwards with video. I did. Yeah, that's what I... Video, you bought all the equipment and then did it. You did it opposite here. You did it with real estate. Listen, consume, 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 and then do it later. Correct. It's free to learn some really cool stuff. That part is free. And this was before, like, I mean, there was thousands of podcasts out there. I was literally listening to like books on tape in my headphones, but it all transferred, all that knowledge transferred. And I literally went straight into real estate with an investor mindset. Not like I'm going to be a realtor or a name tag and do open houses. That was not the plan. The plan was to be an investor from the get-go. I was just super lucky because it was at the 2008-9 crash when a ding dong could make money in that market as long as you had a little bit of cash. And I just got really good at it. I submerged myself into the space and I love it. I like the space of real estate for a a million reasons. But the first deal I did, I mean, we crushed it out of the park. But I mean, like I did, I think I did 82 deals my first year. Oh, which is a massive, massive number because we were flipping properties. So I was doing things and everything else. But for me, I like the financial, like, you know, world around real estate. You right now, you could go buy a duplex, put 3.5% down, live in one of the units, and your tenant will just about cover the entire mortgage so you can live for free. Or you do have to pay something towards the mortgage, but it's definitely not the full amount. And then you have to pay rent to live somewhere. So why not pay rent to yourself? this is house hacking, correct? Correct. And it's what my entire book is about. I have helped so many families do this. And I still, to this day, sit down with first time home buyers. They're like, we're only qualified to like whatever, four or 500. So we can only buy a condo. And I'm like, that is a hundred percent not true. And let me kind of walk you through some of the math. And then sure enough, like, like they thank me through and through years later, because the model is you buy the duplex, live there for one year and one day, then you pull out some equity, then you go buy a three bedroom, two bath house, and now you have a duplex and a house, and you're good. So you you actually just pull out equity, you refinance after the, uh, would, would it be like a cash out uh, uh, refi to get some equity out to then put it down on the next one? Or you could even take the route of like, whatever you cash flow. Here's what I'd probably do. I would probably pay rent as if I don't have that tenant on the other end. That's right. And I would save all that cash that's coming in from them to also be there as part of the down payment. I'm also very frugal though. So like, you know, and that that's probably how I would play it. So let me ask you this question. When it comes to house hacking, that that person that thought they only qualified for a $400,000 condo, they qualify for, I don't, you, you know, we'll take it with a grain of salt, but how much of a duplex 
would they qualify for? Because I know that banks view that as an investment property. So you actually qualify for more. And then you can even qualify for more if it's a triplex and even more if it's a quadplex, correct? 100%. That's the part most people miss. Because it's like, look, here's how the bank and the banking laws look at this. If you're qualified for a $500,000 condo, you're probably qualified to a $700,000 to $750,000 duplex. And that multiple continues to go up. So if you buy it, that tenant is literally paying you $2,500 a month, right, for that unit. The bank looks like, like the bank views it like you just got a $2,500 a month raise. So you are now qualified to buy more because you're making more money. So your income goes up. Your provable income goes up based on rents and rent structure. So it's, I mean, it's very basic math, very basic. Gotcha. So if the numbers make sense in the deal, is it, I guess every deal you have to take as it comes, but I'd love to go quadplex, right? Because you can go up to a quadplex with this house hacking model. But if it goes into a five unit, then it becomes a commercial property and you can't do it. Correct. Correct. And there's gotcha. like, like, again, there's so many pros and cons to both. And so like the reason why, like for me, I, I love the two, three and four unit market is it falls under residential financing and residential law. And I can get a 30 year fixed loan at like 3% for a three or four unit property at like some crazy interest rates. That's awesome. Five units or more. It's a five-year loan, a five-year note. But the good thing is they don't really look at you. It's kind of hard. So, so for a two, three, and four unit, they're looking at you, your finances, your personal everything. That's all they care about to see how you are, right, like as a qualified borrower. Five units to 500, they're looking at the structure. and they kind of care about you, but a lot less. They're like, what's going on with this particular asset? And is this a stabilized asset that we can lend on? But then you got to constantly be chasing the mouse over five years, 10 years. But it's an amazing business on both sides, but you need to understand both. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So I only have one, in, I have two properties right now. One in it is a, um, is my residential home. And the other one is an investment property that I'm actually doing an Airbnb with. Um, I, I didn't think I was going to get into an Airbnb in short term. I was actually going for long term originally. Um, but cash flows made sense for the Airbnb for my first one. Sure. Uh, but what, what I struggled with during that process was determining do I put this on a personal or do I put it in an LLC? And so I had to explore that. And um, I, man, I really, really struggled in that with, with the LLC side of things. When does it make sense to put a home in an LLC versus on a personal as an investment property? And, and I know that you're not a lawyer and, you know, I more so want to just learn from your experience and just get your insight on it. Yeah, sure. So like 100%, like, like you want to clear this with your CPA, you want to clear it with like your whole entire team of legal. But for me, it's for safety. So like as 
it's it's probably not crazy on your first deal or two, but as you start to grow, you want that corporate protection. You want the corporate umbrella. Here's what you also want. You also want to be building corporate credit. So then you can then get corporate lines of credit. You can do corporate deals. You have better rates. You know, have a corporation that's fully vetted after three years with one bank. They start to do more business with you. But the number one thing is, well, actually, there's two that are huge for me. You can take a lot more deductions through the pass-through company within the LLC, but the LLC itself literally acts as a firewall to protect the rest of your assets. So if you have a slip and fall at one property, they can only consume that particular LLC. They can try to go after all of them, but it makes it much more difficult. And so for just like a safety perspective, I like the way it feels and it just feels better. So for us, it's a very simple model. Three properties get one LLC. And that's kind of how the tree is set up. Got you. Because that 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 part really confused me because I've heard so many different things, but I kind of like that model. I've heard every property gets its own LLC. And I'm like, damn, is that like that many bank accounts? What's the accounting look like for that? Like, that just sounds overwhelming to where I bet a lot of people don't get into it for that reason alone. But so you do, your structure is holdings company 333. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. And like, it is very personal. And that's what I talk to all these people about. It's so important to have these meetings because everybody's different. Everybody's risk threshold is different. Everybody's stress tolerance is different. Everybody's anxiety is different. So I tell people, this is not like, Here's the cookie, and this is how we remake them. You have to do what's best for you. If you get stressed out because you have a duplex two miles from your house, you sure shit shouldn't buy one five states away because it's cheap. <laughs> you, you're not going to feel good. And it's also the same thing. There are people that are so afraid of getting sued. They're so they've heard every horror story. Here's what the grandfather told them. So they put every property in an LLC. If that works for you. Great, but you're paying a thousand bucks a year just to keep those corporations alive. You can obviously write stuff off, but it's the beautiful thing of real estate is it gives you the freedom to kind of run your business and your life the way you see fit, all within like the laws and the tax codes. It gets really fun. And especially like when you get big and you're making a lot of money, it gets fun. You're like, okay, so I can donate this money here. I can help these kids. Like, it be, it's it's awesome. That actually brings me to bring up Charlie Rockets. But man, Charlie Rockets, you, I, I was, I had no idea y'all were boys. And I was watching his story. I've been following, Charlie lives my dream. Like, literally to drive around and make other people's dreams. That is my dream. To be able to just go help people like that. And so I was watching his stories and I saw on his whiteboard, because he posts his whiteboard, Andy Carter and even no, it said Andy Dane Carter and it showed you the amount you donated. And I'm like, no shit. Andy donated to Charlie Rockets. And I think I slid in your DMs. I'm like, dude, no way you donated to Charlie. And you said you guys are boys. How do you know? How do you know Charlie? So super good question. He's, he's a great dude. I love Charlie. And again, it links all the way back to Gary V. So he was on the show with Gary that D-Rock was filming. He was either in Los Angeles or New York. He just lost a bunch of weight. And 
I immediately connected with his story. I was like, what a good dude. And then he was trying to become a Nike athlete at the time. He had like just kind of started that whole thing and that whole journey. And I just kind of watched him and I watch a lot of people. A lot of people are full of shit. He wasn't one of them. And so he and I just kind of stayed close. It was just like a, Hey, what's up? You know, blah, 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 like back and forth. And then gosh, probably like six months to a year go by. And he's like, dude, I love your podcast. Love what you're doing. He wanted to start his. So he's like, I have no idea what I'm really doing, but like, here's what I would love to do. And we started talking. And so, and so like I went to his house in Santa Monica, we filmed my show like there in his living room and we filmed it was really cool years ago like when he first launched the show and then he actually stayed super close and we just i mean we've stayed close ever since but he's just he's he's a good dude with a huge huge heart and like he's sincere like i'm around so many people i can read you really fast he's the real deal i mean he's he's he has a heart of gold he really gives a shit he's super hard on himself but like he had so many really good questions of like, how do I do this podcast? How do I launch it correctly? How do I get into iTunes? Like, like, and I'm like, dude, here's what you do. Here's how you do it. And he just took the ball and ran with it. Like he does. Um, and just a great guy. It's been so, so fun for me to watch his journey. Right. And seeing that. So Charlie is absolutely crushing it on, social media, YouTube, the internet, right? He's just crushing it on the internet right now. And he's doing it with like good and kindness in his heart, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, you've learned to be, see who he is. It's no bullshit. It's, it is who he is. And that makes me feel even better as a, a fan of him, right? Like I'm a, definitely a fan of Charlie. So, but that all came from you making that first investment and then kind of trickling on and getting more and more and smarter and smarter each day, making more and more investments. And then eventually, like you said, your cash flows are up. You're able to invest 10 grand to go see Gary V. He sparks this personal branding fire and it just all snowballs. Right. So you what, have to be willing you, to work. Like, yes. So what, like there's so many people that they get motivated. They watch a YouTube video and they cry a little bit. I'm starting tomorrow. Motivation dies real fast. So for me, you have to make a decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going, like, as soon as I turn the cameras off, I'm never turning them off, no matter how painful it is or how much it costs. You need to decide. I believe that the universe and God is waiting for you to make a decision. Once you make an actual decision with your soul, not your mouth, like your soul decides that is when I think all the beautiful things start to happen. At the same time, that's when the tests will come. When you decide this is what I'm going to do, this is what God said. We'll see. We're going to throw this curveball at you. Oh, okay, cool. You're going to do a podcast? <laughs> okay, we'll see how long you do it. So all these things, you have to be willing to continuously work. Same with Charlie. You know, he's he's got ups and downs. We We all have ups and downs. But the biggest thing for me is I have no problem seeing somebody on this phone on something and being like, dude, love your story. That was incredible. Keep crushing set. 
I take time out of my day to say, like, I appreciate you and I'm grateful for what you're doing. And then he circled back like, dude, love your podcast. Would love to be on your show. Now he's with me. We're boys. Now I'm in his living room. Now, like there's a friendship and now it's grown over the past three, four years. Gary, same thing. Like these are connection points. I literally sent a message to these people because I was really trying to blow up season two of my podcast to have these like high level guests. 97% of those people I DM'd from my Instagram and said, hey, would love to have you on the show. Love like, sure. You ask a high level person, hey, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain for 10 minutes? Fuck no. It's we're all busy. <laughs> but if you reach out to them and say, hey, here's my podcast, would love to hear your story for my audience. Most of them say yes. I love that. I love that, man. Yeah, that makes total sense. because, And it's so funny because I've been wanting a podcast for years. And really, it's just because of I'm a very curious person. I always have a million questions. So instead of Me asking too. you to coffee, but I have a music background, right? So all this equipment I actually have had since I was like, young you know and, and uh like i started making music when i was 14 recording audio engineering videography photography it's kind of how the whole marketing you know side of me started and um and and so you know now to be able to talk to people and have genuine conversations from across the country i'm in lakeland florida you're in long beach california is like we and now keeping it forever right like you said this is this is the shit, dude. Like, I, I love this life. You, you can't beat this. It's so fun. And you get to learn so much. And then you can use this entire podcast. You can chop it up into little segments of you and I doing this. Send it out as micro content that then gets to other people. And then you have it on YouTube for long format. But what I love about this is, is like, you don't have to watch it on YouTube. You could be at the gym or driving in your car. You can do a lot of things and listen. So for me, I like that platform the most because you can do it when you're sitting at work. You can have a podcast and you're doing shit that you hate or don't want to do. So for me, I just, I love it. And like, that's the thing too. Like there's so many things and I've had a crazy career and I use them all every day. They like, it's all these different tools that I've got from my toolbox over the years. Same thing. Yours was music. It's a perfect transition into podcasting. You kidding me? Right, right. Yeah, you call it your toolbox. I call it uh, the Lego blocks of life. Or like every everything, man. I started at working at an arcade. That was a piece of a Lego, right? And then it's like I went and I cashiered at a grocery store, and that was a piece of the Lego. I learned something at every single one of those jobs. I was never better than any job I was ever in. I, I'm. No, I'm not smart. I'm no better than anybody. I'm just curious. And so it helps me learn because I'm not scared to ask questions, which is great for like, now I need to go DM high level people and be like, Hey, want to jump on my podcast, Instagram celebrity, Andy Dane Carter already did. What's you, up? You're going to jump you on <laughs> use me as leverage. I'm telling you, there's so <laughs> many people that were like, dude, you were my first guest. And uh, like, and it's literally what they do is they screenshot me and they say, he was just on the show, would love to have you on. It changes your probability of them saying yes. And it's like, yep. I don't care. Use that. I did the same thing. 
I, I literally took that exact same playbook and I was like, he was on my show. He's your boy. How about you jump on my show? And here's a hack too, which is super important is. So usually ask your guests, uh, could you shoot some kind of text message or DM to two people in your network that you think might be a good fit for my show? I knew I was on to something. I've already been doing uh, that. I already got the text cool. ready to send you, dude. Nice. It's it's a it's a super easy ask, but you have to do it like as soon as the show's over because we get busy. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, hey, I want to thank you for your time, man. You are a busy man, and and you jumped on within almost an hour for me here. So thank you so much for jumping on it. Uh, you know, it's real estate, homies. You're the homie. So thank you so much for jumping on, man. Oh, dude, I love it, man. And keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Love the space of real estate. That's what's up. You got to keep going. Keep going. I get it. I get it. And keep buying more doors. Just, I mean, get as many as you can get your hands on. That's what I'm going to do. Actually, before we go, I got to ask you that, man. All I got you is just like over time, right? Like I believe in the consistent investing mindset, like consistently investing. So like this market is just bananas and equities up everywhere, but I am in Florida, which it seems like everybody in the world is coming here right now. And um, so do you feel, and I'm going to take this from investor, friend to friend, not, you know, do you feel that it's still good to get in and leverage the debt being that the interest rates are still low? And even though, but playing like instead, am I am I playing the equity game or am I playing the cash flow game? That's kind of where my head gets spinning sometimes. Right. Like you, it's so important to look at this in like five, 10, and 20-year blocks. Right. It's not going to matter what the cash flow is in 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. It might matter in five, as long as you're covering and as long as you can look at the state that you're going to invest in as a whole, hands down, this is the the most popular Florida's been in the history of Florida. That's Mm -hmm. not slowing down anytime soon. So it's going to be a, a really good place for you to actually place your capital. Plus you live there. Plus there's all, there's shit tons of upside plus the rent. If I was you, I'd be looking at these areas that are starting to push out and get them here. And as they catch you, you just get all the upside because there's a lot of that happening in Florida right now. But man, it's a really, really good market. Here's a story and here's a conversation that I've never had with one person in real estate. I'm so glad I sold that property 20 years ago. It doesn't (laughs) happen. You want to know oh. why it doesn't happen? Because everybody's, it's the opposite. It's always like, fuck, if I would have had that property, like it'd be worth X now, but I sold it to make 20 grand like an idiot. Or it was only cash flowing 200 bucks a month. So I sold it. Whoops. You got to look at all the math, not just how much money, how much of this, like, do I get right now? Right. Versus the, how big is this thing going to be in 10 years? Because it's not going to matter. You hold real estate in Florida. You hold real estate in California for 10 years. You win. Period. The end. I don't care if there's another crash. Doesn't matter. Got it. Love it. I'll take that. That's the last nugget I have of the day, man. I'm about to go. I'm about to go run through a brick wall now. I love it. I love it. All right, Andy. Thanks, man. I appreciate you jumping on, brother. Dude, 100%, man. Thank you so much. Yep. See you soon, man.
kind of a 